give you my hand. That's all right. <laughs> well, good morning. I think it's important to let you know that we've got a, a group of uh, young uh, middle school girls that are um, up in northern Ohio this weekend, uh, one of, of which is uh, my youngest, our youngest daughter, Danielle. Um, and if you saw Josh, you're probably wondering what they're doing all up there by themselves as a part of the youth ministry. Well, uh, his wife, Amanda, uh, actually my other daughter, Victoria, and as well as Kira Duncan uh, and Brian and Becky are helping out with uh, traveling and stuff. But uh, they're up at a water park this weekend. More importantly, they are up learning about who they are in the Lord. And so there's about a dozen uh, middle school girls. Sounds like fun, huh? And... Uh, uh, I looked at Susan the other night, we were standing, uh, the other evening we were standing there as they were praying and getting ready to leave, and I said, so do you miss that? And uh, formerly being youth pastor, and she said, yeah, I do some of it, and I do as well, but it's great to see Amanda and others uh, leading those girls out and uh, having a good time. So pray for them as they uh, travel home uh, in the cyclone today, okay? Uh, so uh, they'll blow themselves home, I guess. I'd like you to pull out, if you would, um, from your bulletin. I didn't bring mine up, but it's on the screen. Um, what we've been talking about here uh, since really the beginning of the years, uh, beginning of the year, as we've uh, laid out um, through a couple-year process of really just seeking the Lord together um, as leadership, is where, where, God's, where God is taking us. Who are we and where are we headed? And so I want to share this again with you because it, it, it ties in very specifically with what we've been talking about in First Peter. And so as we go back into First Peter today, I want uh, this to be on the forefront of our minds. By 2026, our church will follow a pattern of spiritual formation in one another that brings hope to broken lives where individuals and families pass on a spiritual heritage. So if we remember and think about who Peter is, is that Peter is a very different season of his life. You know, he walked with Jesus um, in, in Jesus' time on this earth, and then he was very much at that season of his life learning all about who Jesus was and what it meant to be a disciple. And so here uh, we find Peter, much later in his life, pouring in to others who have made that commitment to Christ. You remember from some of our earlier times together is that uh, in, in looking at First Peter is that he's speaking to Christians in the churches in Asia Minor. And so this letter is very much directed toward this idea of how they are spiritually forming, how they continue to understand who they are as Christians in the world they're living in. And that translates very much to today, particularly as we've looked at some of these various uh, pieces of our identity, as Peter talks about. One of the key parts of that, and Pastor Josh hit it last week, we've talked about it actually for several weeks, um, even back to when Tony Webb preached, and speaking of uh, the role of the church and understanding our identity. Uh, this focus of become this year is very much about understanding who we are and whose we are. And so a big part of that has been this this character trait and really action, obedience of submission. Now, we've talked the last couple of weeks about all the things that submission is not appealing. It's not appealing to us. It's not a word in this culture that is um, thought upon positively. But today, once again, what we're going to see in this uh, section of First Peter 
is that Peter is imploring them to understand how to live out part of their identity in being submissive. Not as a weakness, but actually as a strength. If you recall that we've talked about, Peter's talked about, we've, we've looked at this idea of being submissive as citizens to governing authorities. We've talked about slaves to masters. We've talked about, Pastor Josh talked about husbands and wives to one another in various situations where the husband or wife was not a believer. So now today in 1 Peter 3, beginning in verse 8, what we're going to see is that Peter now kind of pulls uh, some of this together. He's not done with submission by any means. We're, we're going to keep on this for a couple more weeks. But what he begins to talk about especially is relationships and what submission looks like that way. Especially, and here's something he's hinted at, but we're really diving into it, in the midst of suffering. So I don't do this often, but I'm going to do it today. Um, so if you're a Cliff Notes first person, uh, you'll be all excited about this because this is kind of summing up what we're going to spend time with today. But I want to look at kind of the theme. Uh, Peggy, if you'll put up that next slide of the, of the theme. What is, this really is all about, this is about our focus and response as Christians in the midst of suffering. In the midst of suffering, how do, what do we focus on? What do we focus on, not just individually, but what do we focus on as a spiritual community, as the body of believers here at ECOB? Peter says, here's what you must focus on. Here's how you must even respond. Now, I want to talk about suffering here for just a minute. This is not going to be an entire um, uh, message on the theology of suffering. Uh, if you want to learn a, bit, a little bit more about this, uh, we've got a myth class uh, that we're doing at Etch. Uh, we started two weeks ago on it, but we'll be finishing up talking about who, how do we understand a loving God in the midst of evil and suffering. We'll be doing that on Wednesday night. Even if you haven't attended, you're more than welcome to come, because we'll talk a little bit more about this idea of suffering. Uh, suffering, generally speaking, is the reality of facing hurt and pain in a fallen world. So sometimes suffering is caused by our own sin. That's not what Peter's talking about here necessarily or specifically. Sometimes it is a result of other sin. Sometimes suffering is a result of living in a world where we are fallen creatures. And in that, what Peter is talking specifically, and we're going to spend some time today, is that as a Christian, how do you deal with suffering for being a Christian? In other words, when, when you choose the way to follow Jesus Christ and you suffer because of it, how should we, how should we respond to that? And, and uh, Peter uh, hits this pretty well in the midst of relationships. I want us to take a look, starting in verse 8 of 1 Peter chapter 3. Finally, all of you, he says, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. Verse 10. For, quoting from Psalm 34, he's, he says, Whoever 
would love life and see good days, must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. If you're a fan of details, you will notice that uh, in the bulletin it says verse 8 through verse 22 today. Well, I have decided, even though um, I have a sermon prepared through verse 22, that we're just going to focus on the first couple verses today. As I was preaching this morning and uh, um, sharing the word, uh, it wasn't just a time management thing. I was compelled, I believe, by the Spirit for us to pause after the first couple of verses. And it's because I believe it's very significant for us. I believe this is something that I do not want us to rush through. And so we're going to sit on verses 8 through 12. We'll pick up the other ones next week. Because there's important stuff in there. But I, what I see here, what I have studied here, what I believe we experience as a body of believers, is that we cannot fly through these first verses. Because they speak very much to relationships. How we relate to one another as Christians. How do we relate to those who are not followers of Jesus Christ? Everybody has their kind of own opinion, I suppose, in this culture today about what that looks like. Um, We need to look here. So verse 8. Verse 8. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. I want to pause here and I want to pray. Let's pray. Father, as we look into these words of Peter... God, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be set in such a place away and, uh, today. And God, right now even, shift that and shape that in, uh, to align with what you want to speak to us. God, I, I, I pray that we wouldn't just come into this time and it be a time of just getting a teaching and feeling smarter and moving on. But that it would be a time that you actually as we call upon you and listen to your voice, is that you would help us to look personally and specifically and collectively at how we live this. God, we want to get this right, and we know in your grace that we're not always going to get it right, but in your grace, I should say, is that you always have the desire to restore us. So, Father... Help us to hear you today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a list, isn't it? And I know sometimes we, we don't really like lists in the Bible. And I think the reason is often is because it's not like a grocery list. Well, I need tomatoes, and I need onion, and I need lettuce, and I need meat for the tacos. And so what do you do? You make your list, you go to the store, you go down the aisles and check in the cart, check in the cart, check in the cart. It's that, uh, what is it, dopamine, is that right, that, that Josh, that you know, we get a shot of dopamine? Yes, I've completed it. It's why streaks are so popular on social media and apps, because we get to check off that we've done it. 
you look at this list of behaviors that Peter gives us right here. We don't check them off, do we? They're lifelong projects, so to speak. They're lifelong shapings in us. And if you've ever, and I've been guilty of this myself, you know, well, that one I took care of five years ago. had that one circumstance. Man, did it teach me about being sympathetic. So I've got it. What we know about God, what we know about our relationship with Jesus Christ is that this is this spiritual formation piece that he continues to work in us and through us to create us and shape us to become more like Jesus Christ, which means you will not check them off, at least not if you want to seek to grow in him, to experience the full measure as scripture tells us. That's why we tend to either run from them or we tend to just kind of get paralyzed in the midst of it. Some of you like a challenge, I know it. And so you go at these things and you're like, yes, I'm going to get it. Great. Work at that in the grace of God because you all know if you don't, we cannot achieve any of these without God's grace, without Him working in us. But when we look at this first set, generally what Peter is teaching us is this main kind of focus here, and it, it looks like this. Submission through loving behavior in relationships with Christians. In other words, right here in the midst of talking about submission and suffering, Peter says, these are things, because of who Jesus is and what he's done, that we should focus on and act upon in our lives. And generally what they are is loving behavior. Like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, compassionate, humble. Talk Talk about heavy hitters. But he says, I want you to think about these things in your relationship to the spiritual community that you're in. Now he's talking to churches, across churches as well, and that applies to us. I want us to think a bit about walking together in spiritual community. It's an underlying theme that Peter's been working in this letter. Never does Peter say in this letter or his second, this is yours to do by yourself. You work on it. You come join up with some other Christians when you kind of feel good about yourself and when you, get, when you can present yourself well. Um, otherwise, you do this all privately. You do all of this in isolation. No, not at all. Which is why I think it's incredibly relevant to us right now as a church. We have made decisions as a church, some of which were decided many years ago by us as a body, some which are having themselves played out more specifically in this time, where we have made a decision. We will stand on the authority of Scripture and we will not bow to the culture. And so in that, what we have to know, what we have to live out, what we have to practice, what we have to fail out, fail at and get up again and keep trying is that we are going to live as a spiritual community. Otherwise, we're just a social organization. Otherwise, no matter what we say or what we do, we are a country club. The difference is where we put Jesus, how we look at Jesus and how we worship and live into our faith in Jesus. 
And Peter says, Church, there will never be more of an important time to walk as a spiritual community than when you are facing suffering for believing in who I am and in who Jesus is. Because Satan's tool, one of the greatest tools in his toolbox, is to divide us. And he will pick and we will bite on the silliest of things. And it will be painful. I implore us today to look at the words of Peter. And I implore us as your pastor to be like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, compassionate, and humble. You notice what I didn't say. What Peter doesn't say is we have to agree on everything. But we've got to agree on the things that are important. We must align on the things that are important. And sometimes we have to talk about those things to figure out what's important. It's kind of like in a marriage. I tell couples that conflict is okay in a marriage. No conflict isn't necessarily a sign of a healthy marriage. No conflict means that you're probably not standing for a whole lot in your marriage and you're letting everybody else determine what your marriage should look like. Ephesians 5, Jesus Christ in the church. This is another application of that where we look and we see that sometimes we have to have heart-to-heart conversations. Sometimes we're going to disagree on some things that really don't matter. It doesn't mean that we can't still be like-minded, sympathetic to one another in suffering, to love one another, to be compassionate and humble. Some of you are, your, your English, uh, I'll just say it, you're English geeks, and you, you love language and patterns and rhythms. Well, you're going to like this one. Look at this. Like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, compassionate and humble. The two ends, like-minded and humble, have, have much similarity to them. Sympathetic and compassionate have much similarity to them. And then you've got the hinge. It's, the, it's, it's that piece of the teeter-totter that makes the teeter-totter teet and tot. All of you English friends are cringing now that I said that. It's just a matter of time. You know that with me. It's A, B, C, B, A. The two A's, the two B's, and the C's. What that tells us is that the C is deeply important to how we live as a spiritual community. It's not an option. I don't think anyone in here would read this and say, oh, I disagree with this, because you probably wouldn't be sitting here if you did. If you are, you're exploring it, trying to figure it out. Praise God for that. Let's help one another figure this out. Rudy just talked about it with one another groups. That's one expression of that. But loving one another plays it out in these other two, other four pieces on each side. But I will say this, it's more than kindness. It's more than just being nice to each other. Because I'll tell you, I love it when people are nice, but I don't know what this is about me and what I grew up in, but sometimes when all I get is niceness, it feels incredibly insincere. Now, I I know that's not always true. That's a flaw of mine. But if all I get is niceness, what I often walk away with a sense of is not necessarily honesty. They just wanted to make me feel good. They wanted me to be happy. As the church, Peter says, 
The loving behavior that we must exhibit with one another and walk together is about our heart for people. People in the church. And so every time we talk about the church, good or bad, it communicates something. Every time we talk about things perhaps that we don't like, it communicates something. I don't expect, we don't expect all to like everything that goes on in a spiritual community. That's why it's hard, right? That's why it's challenging. That's why it's difficult. But we're fighting for something much greater than you and me. We're fighting for the kingdom of God. And so what that means, Peter says, is sometimes you will submit, not because you're in full agreement, but you and, uh, you and I, we and us, all of us together, we realize that we need to strive for something greater than just being nice to each other. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians. Paul um, I love this translation of this, and I, I didn't look at it in other versions uh, because I love the language here, but I don't believe it uses this. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Paul's always going around saying rejoice, and sometimes it's like, really? Come on. I'm going to be happy when we're suffering? Well, again, in a theology of suffering, um, that's God's goal. His goal is that you draw close to Him. And and not just happy, but you rejoice. So in the midst of our suffering, we'll talk more about this, uh, I guess, two weeks from now now, because I was going to preach it on next week. But uh, we'll talk about this joy we have in suffering. But here's what he says. And this is our mindset from believer to believer, from Christian to Christian. This must be our mindset. Strive for, what does it say? Full restoration. And you can read the rest of it the way it plays out. But I want to I sit there for a minute because this doesn't say I'm the one that will be right. <laughs> I'm the one, uh, people will agree with me. Maybe it's us submitting and agreeing with somebody else for something that really is not all that significant. But the goal here in being like-minded and being compassionate, sympathetic, and humble, is that we are seeking, as we love one another in the midst of suffering, we are seeking to restore one another. And you all know this. I'll say it if you don't. Restoration doesn't happen because we try really hard. Restoration happens only by the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. And so when we are restoring each other, we are striving. Striving is such an active word. Striving is not come and get. Striving is let's go together. And we strive with one another. And we seek together God's restoration. Because suffering, understood in the hands of a loving God, is all about restoration. It's all about being drawn closer to Him. It's all about experiencing that together when it's hard in a community. Nowhere in Scripture, this is, will be in two weeks in the myth class, nowhere in Scripture does it say that you should live life as a Christian apart from a spiritual community, apart from the church. People will say, I don't have to be a Christian to go to church. Not if you want to be a Christian that is only focused on salvation and where you're headed and not how you can draw others through Jesus Christ into the kingdom of God. Because that is a very active role we play. Peter is essentially screaming, stop, don't, do not be passive. Pastor Dan, I've just got so much going on. That's exactly why we can't be passive. Olivia just talked about it. 
Olivia's got a daughter home this morning who's got 105 temperature. It's down now to about 100. So she, she's talking real that we experience so much when we walk in together, but it's why we need to be together. It's why we must worship together. And it's not just because we want attendance numbers to go up, as great as that is, as wonderful as that is. And I'm going to stop for a moment and I'm going to confess something. A few weeks ago, I said, I don't give, this is one of those things you look back and it's like, I said that? Yeah, you said it. Um, I said, I don't give a rip about the size of this church. I want to clarify. I care about every soul here. Every soul. Even when I can't care enough for all of you. I care about how many people walk in here every Sunday. But what we have to be as a church is not a church who is only concerned about how many seats are filled. We have to be concerned about the souls that are living for Jesus. That's my heart. And if I hurt you or you misunderstood that, I'm sorry. But that, this is what Peter's talking about here. Striving for full restoration. So what that means is we don't accuse and we gossip when we're suffering. No, if anything, we link tighter than ever. Because most of my assumptions, most of my accusations are based on what I think, not what I know. And so just as Paul speaks in the, in the body in Corinthians, is that the left hand should not be talking about how the right hand is not doing it right. The left hand and the right hand should come together and work together. And let me just say, church, that's every one of us. That's why this passage is so significant for us right now. All that we're walking through as a church is not just about your pastors and staff. It's not just about your leaders. It is about every one of us, members and non-members, who call this place their spiritual community, their church. Because again, Satan wants nothing better to do than to tear us apart. And so sometimes what it means is you learn about why somebody's suffering or maybe why we're suffering as a church. Have those conversations. Be present. I know when I'm suffering, often what happens is I'm thinking mostly about me. Even when we're suffering as a body for something we've stood for, I'll be honest, a lot of times I think about, okay, how that affects me. And it's not that that is always wrong. But that cannot be our primary focus according to what Peter is teaching us here. And so what that sometimes means is that we seek out. None of us can care for everybody else solely. It is a responsibility that every one of us have. And so I want to take a moment. One of the things that I want us to pray for right now in this moment is I want us to pray about what is each of our role in that. And I'll give you a specific example of it. People leave this church sometimes because of the suffering that is going on as a body. Sometimes they leave because of their own suffering, their experience in this life. The easiest thing for us to do is just assume we know why somebody's walked away from what we have as a spiritual community. The easy thing to do is just get mad about it and say, well, Pastor Dan must have done something wrong. The elders must have made a bad decision. This is where we live this out. This is where we come together and we seek out. A few weeks ago, I 
I, I came across an individual where he and his wife used to attend ECOB. I still don't know why they left this church. I'm not angry with them, but I crossed paths with him. Had a great conversation. Talked about him and his family. Talked, uh, he asked about the church. We had a great conversation. I walked away from that conversation, came back to my office later on that day, and I thought, I'm going to write him a note. And so I wrote him a note. And I said, I don't know where you two are worshiping now as a family. And if you have another church family, praise God. But I just want you to know that I'd love to have you come back to ECOB. We'd love for you to be a part of what God's doing here. I don't know what God's going to do with that. The reason I share that is not a pat on my back. It's for us to think that sometimes it's a very simple thing. The easiest thing to do is to talk about it. Living in a spiritual community means that we act upon it. And, and it's not because that's going to do anything except help us live into the behavior God's called us to. So I'm going to ask us right now. I want us to pray. And I'm going to lead that prayer at the beginning. And here's what I'd like you, if you'd so be willing to ask God to speak to your heart about one person that you want to reach out to and connect. Maybe they're a person you haven't seen in worship for a long time. Maybe it's a person that you've had some odds with, and now you go to separate services or you sit on the other side of the room during worship. I don't know. But I'm going to ask you to be so bold to live into the submission that you ask God to speak to your heart. Father, we trust and we believe that you can lay upon our heart by name or by family those perhaps that we need to carry out this loving behavior with other Christians. Or this is the hard work. The easy thing to do right now would be just sing another song and, and, and leave. But God, we don't want to back down from your instruction and your word, this godly behavior with other Christians. Speak to us right now, God. Speak to each of us and lay upon our hearts the role we play in striving for full restoration in this community. Here at ECOB. God, I pray that we wouldn't stop listening when we walk beyond this text today and out of this place. Lay upon our hearts. Lay upon our hearts our role together in the spiritual community here at ECOB. To model submission in such a way that we love each other relentlessly. And don't just talk about it, we actually do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's move on to verse 9. So we've been talking about this idea of loving godly behavior between Christians. Now Peter makes this huge swing. 
And he begins to speak of how to deal with those who don't know Jesus Christ. He says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. One of the first things he begins to speak about here before we get into the quote from Psalm 34 is he talks about repaying evil with blessing. Now here is what I observe. There is not a Christian in their right mind who would say that this is a bad thing. It's a great thing. But you and I both know how hard it is. How hard is it when those who don't believe what we believe, how hard it is not to just go silent, how hard it is not to lash out, but rather to speak in blessing, to pray blessing over an individual. Here Peter is talking about submission through being a blessing to those who don't know Jesus Christ. Submission in the form of being a blessing to those who don't know Jesus Christ. So, Scripture over and over again talks uh, in in various settings about here's your relationships with other believers in Jesus Christ. Here's your relationship with those who don't know Jesus Christ. There are some different things going on here because of who we are in Jesus but what Peter does not say, and what you will not find in Scripture, is, them, is, is any of them saying, God saying, is that you respond evil with evil, insult with insult, but rather blessing. The word blessing here by Peter has this sense of not just being nice, not just walking away, but this sense of actually asking God. So you going to God your Father and asking for favor and mercy and grace upon the one who has just hurt you. Wow. Again, great idea. We love it. Man, that's hard. They just hurt me. See the focus again? Me, 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 me. Submission's all about not me. And he says, pray essentially, for God to show favor. It's kind of like what Jesus was talking about when he says in Luke 6, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. What I realize from this text is sometimes it's not quite so clear what's going on, is it? It's not always quite so clear that, oh, this is evil. This is, a, this is somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. Begins to fuzzy things a bit. We tend to step back and try to say, well, should I, shouldn't I that? That's where we must trust. This is an active living relationship with Jesus right here. Discerning from the Holy Spirit. How do I do this? I am guilty of most of the time, it's a character flaw of mine, where I will walk away from that. And I can excuse it as saying, well, I just don't want to stir up anything more. What I could do, even if I didn't want to face the person, I could still pray to my God. I could still pray to Father and ask for Him to extend grace and favor. 
But ashamedly so, I don't do that most of the time. I just get mad. I go talk to another Christian about a non-Christian who's hurt me. You know, in this day of social media rants, we've moved from no longer just um, being hurt and not responding in blessing. We've gone to the point that everybody's going to (laughs) know. I need the world to know that I've been hurt. Think about that for a minute. It's not that your hurt doesn't matter. It's not that your suffering doesn't matter. That's not what Peter's saying. But what Peter says is don't determine the goodness or the, 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 um, the ugly nature of that based on how many likes you get, based on how many reinforcements you get that, ah, it's a good thing you ranted. Way to deal with it. Way to, way to take the devil out. I think the devil wins when we do that. Maybe your social media rant has a very different form. Maybe, may, maybe it is gathering as many friends as around and explaining. And it's not seeking healing necessary. You just want to be justified. Church, I know that's hard and I can only say this because I'm preaching to myself here. Blessing. Submission through blessing. Look at, look at uh, Psalm 34 here. This is a psalm of David. And he begins to quote David here. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil, their lips from deceitful speech, must turn from evil and do good, must seek peace and pursue it. So this first section, he points out a few things. David does. Words matter. Words matter. Actions matter. Words matter. Actions matter. That's why he talks about the tongue. That's why he talks about turning. And then he also says, essentially, in seeking peace and pursue it, relationships matter. Relationships matter as we respond in blessing. People may reject it. They may continue to fight it. That's God's to deal with. Because then what we see are the promises on the latter part of this quote from Psalm 34. You and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, trusting as we walk in these difficult circumstances, we have the promise of the the eyes of the Lord upon us. We have the promise of the ears of the Lord being attentive to the things that we are crying out to Him. This is such a reinforcement. Don't cry to everybody else. Cry out to God. It's not that other people can't help you. But God's going to speak truth to us. And God's going to shape us and restore us in ways that are very, very essential to us. And then the last one here. He flips it. He says, the face of the Lord is against all those who do evil. If someone who is doing evil, God is, is doing this. He is turning the other way. What that implies is that when we are following God, not perfectly, but in submission, the face of the Lord is on us. You ask those who went to the mountain with Jesus what it's like to have the face of the Lord upon you. (laughs) How might you call upon God to bless somebody who has done evil against you? 
I'm absolutely convinced the longer I live my life, the more I have to ask for forgiveness. Not only from those of you that love me deeply and care about me as a brother in Christ, but also for those who I could justify pretty easily that I don't have to forgive. Scripture won't let me go on that one. It's another reminder of why we need spiritual community. I need accountability. You need accountability in that. The Life at Home Resource Center, which we've not talked a lot about recently going through the holidays, and we actually are not in a campaign or a spiritual emphasis campaign right now. We've done that intentionally. We'll be looking at another one of those in the future here. But I wanted to point out one of the what we call pointers out at the Life at Home Center. And I want to talk, just talk for a moment about why, why we have Life at Home and how this pertains to this. Sometimes, not only with fellow Christians, but sometimes with those who don't know Christ, their response to us is based on some of the own suffering, their own suffering that they're walking through. We could say, I just don't have time, I've got enough of my own. And it's not that we can connect with everybody, but here's a great example. This is a brochure on grieving. And there's about being a single parent, uh, about grandparents raising grandchildren, all kinds of them out there. But I encourage you, and I've encouraged you to do this before, maybe grab one of these. Maybe the people that you were praying about just a moment ago, maybe one of them that God has laid on your heart are going through something, and the way that you repay them with blessing, the way that you are present with them is learning a little bit more about how they're suffering. That's submission. There's lots of resources out there, and it's important for us to help one another with that. Sometimes you can get the same thing in conversations with others here in this body. Well, this is where I was supposed to move forward, but I realized that shoving more information upon you is not going to help us sit on this the way I believe we need to. Spiritual community in the midst of suffering responding to those who are brothers and sisters in Christ and responding to those who don't know Jesus. It's all a part of our identity. So I'm going to ask as we close right now and I'm going to have the team remain seated because I want you to participate in this. But I'm going to ask that we spend some more moments in prayer. And I know sometimes this is incredibly uncomfortable. But it's, it's important for us Because sometimes the first thing we need to do is we need to confess where we have sought what we wanted and not what God's wanted. We can be a church that comes together every week. We can walk through the motions. We can play some really fun music. We can hang out and live life here. And it'll look good to a lot of people, including us at times. 
where we can actually live into our calling of being spiritually formed in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we can do what ultimately will bring the greatest joy to the kingdom, to us. And that is to dig down deep and be willing to tackle things like we've tackled today. But I will tell you, it doesn't matter how great or not great a message I preach. It's what we do with the Word of God that's going to make a difference. Because that's where our dependence is going to come from. So I'm going to ask right now that we bow our heads. I'll invite the team up in a minute, but I would like us, and maybe it's going back to that prayer and asking God to lay a name on your heart of reaching out to somebody. But maybe... It is a time of confession. You all know that you are more than welcome to come to the altar. Sometimes those physical steps to the altar are, um, do much for shaping and healing our soul. Father, as we learn about submission in a spiritual community, both with our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also for those who don't know Jesus, as people come here to learn about Jesus, God, I pray that we would live in such a way that submission would mark our lives. Submission to you, Jesus. Striving for full restoration in you, Jesus.